So I think the first practice that I recommend to people is to sit down alone with a piece of paper and a pen in a place that you are highly inspired. So for me, I've mentioned I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. I live just a few minutes from the ocean. To me, it's to go walk out to the ocean and sit there alone, no phone, no music. It's just me, a pen and some paper. And I think about it, okay, like what is- waves. Yeah, that's it, man. You know, like, but like, I, I feel inspired in that area, and I'm, and I, I, at that moment, I'm like, okay, what am I, what am I really good at? What do I uniquely add to the world? Like, what's my value add? How do I serve people in the in the strongest, most powerful way that I possibly can? And figure out what that that genius is or that superpower, right? Like, how do I really figure this out? And the thing is, we all really know this. We just have to dig deep enough to find it sometimes. And if anyone's like, I just don't even know where that is. It's a combination of something that you are far better than most people at and something that you thoroughly enjoy. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Oh, and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and I have the pleasure of having Alex Sapifino on the line. Did I pronounce that right? Not quite. San Filippo. San Filippo. There we go. Did I get it right that time? San Filippo. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Got it right the second time. Awesome. Glad to have you here. Um, so for, for those of you guys who have been following along with uh, with our journeys, we're up in South Carolina for the holidays this year, moving a little bit from our, our COVID stuckness in Florida. Um, I hear you're in Florida, right? Is that where you're? Where, it's, where you're at now? Yeah, Jacksonville, Florida, just uh, pretty close to the ocean. Um, beautiful place. It's, it's nice weather. I think I've got a little bit warmer weather than you do now. Yeah. So my favorite thing about Jacksonville, we stayed there a couple of years ago for, uh, for Thanksgiving and we were staying in um, a little tiny RV park, like in the middle of the city. And I can't remember exactly what it was called, but we g- drive into the RV park um, and this little old guy who owns it. And like, I mean, like really old, um, super nice guy, but was probably like pushing 115 is what it looked like um and and he's like giving us the tour and taking us around the thing and he gives us the map um and he's like okay so over here is like the, there's a walking path that goes down to the river and he's like your kids can swim there there's a little dock there's all sorts of swimming and he's like just so you know there's alligators in there but if you avoid the alligators is a great place to swim and i was just like you're like, what? like wait swim with alligators who does that florida man does it welcome you, you met florida man that day congratulations yeah, i met florida man florida man swims with alligators and i was like yeah that's not happening <laughs> <laughs> so you know maybe it's something they used to do back in the day so who knows I, i've never uh, done that but uh it, it, it doesn't surprise me we hear stories about that all the time my wife sent me a video the other day and it was a uh, the headline of it was florida man jumps in in water to save dog from alligator and literally this guy there was a Saw video that video yeah he jumped in the water and he has a cigar in his mouth he doesn't take the cigar out of his mouth he grabs the alligator opens it up pulls the dog out throws the dog to shore and then throws the alligator and walks out 
and you're like that I'm like I'm like that what? guy I'm like this is where I live I'm like <laughs> but I want you know the listeners say to kind of get a different you know different perspective of me I live close to the ocean and we're a little bit different the closer the water you get so I'm more of like a beach guy than like a, a swamp Florida man all right <laughs> Yeah, so we we definitely because um, we went all up and down the west coast and the east coast, and then went all through the center of Florida, and very different cultures. Yes, um, despite only being like an hour apart. Yes, very different. That's so, the, that's the only way you can describe it. Is very different. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, Florida was super cool. Loved staying there. Um, you know, if, if you're gonna get stuck somewhere for all of COVID, Florida is a great place to do it's it. Not a bad spot. <laughs> awesome. So let me go ahead and uh, introduce you for our guests who don't know who you are, not our guests, our audience who doesn't know who you are. Um, so Alex is the host of the Top 20 Entrepreneurship Podcast, Creating a Brand, which can be found at creatingabrand.com. And you're also the founder of podmatch.com, which is a free service that automatically matches podcast guests and hosts together for interviews, which um, I believe our team actually might use to uh, book some of our guests, which is pretty cool. Um, so what I want to do to start off with, Alex, is why don't you tell me a little bit about what your business is like now, who, what you're known for, like who you actually serve, how you drive revenue, that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. So creating a brand on that side of things, which is my podcast, it's really top of funnel, which is usually what podcasts are, right? So it's really my free educational element. And I, I started it because I saw that there was people who were looking for that type of content. So it's more of like a masterclass style podcast. So I'll bring a guest on a subject matter expert, and we'll just dive deep into that topic. And there's not a lot of conversation back and forth. It's more so like, hey, give us the five ways to do this or five points for that. And that's really the focus of it. And um, it, it's done really well. I'm, I've been really fortunate to just have a great audience for that podcast and just some amazing guests come on. So that's been really fun. And what kind of came out of that was Podmatch because I realized it is kind of difficult to find guests sometimes. I remember when I first got started, Richard, you can probably remember this too. When you first got started, it's like, will you be a guest? People are like, what, why? You know, like, and, and who are you? And why, how'd you get my email address? You know, like all these different things. And so I, I just kind of thought there needed to be a way that we could actually help people do that. And that's what Podmatch is. So Podmatch automatically, it's, it connects guests and hosts together. It's actually very similar to like an online dating app, but I've been married too long to use any of those. Uh, I know I aged myself a little bit there by saying that, but everyone's like, oh, this is kind of like Tinder, but for podcasters, I'm like, sure, never actually used Tinder, but it sounds like that's probably right. Sounds, and, sounds similar. Yeah. So we, we kind of broke into two tiers. We have a free version because I, I desire to be a service to an industry that I love that's been really kind to me. And we also have a paid plan, uh, professional plan as we call it. And that's more for like the daily podcasters or the guest that has a new book that's coming out that they really want to get in front of just a ton of people. And that's, that's the other option available. So we have the basic plan, the professional plan, and, and both work really great. We're getting really good uh, feedback from our, our members with it. Awesome. That's really good. So we're, uh, um, I was just telling my, uh, my staff the other day that we're going to really ramp up my podcast guest interviews this next year. Cause, cool. uh, um, we run a, um, a service called uh, Push Button Podcasts, which is a full service podcasting agency. We do a white glove service for podcasters that basically goes everything from the stop record button all the way through editing and um, creation of social media stuff to publishing and promoting and advertising and the whole bit. So they don't have to do anything for their podcast other than show up and record. Um, and so we're teaching a whole thing called uh, like how you build a content machine using a podcast as the base. Um, and so we're going to be doing a lot of uh, podcasting and, you know, going on other people's shows this next year to talk about that service and talk about, uh, you know, how you build a content machine from a podcast. So anyways, we'll probably be, uh, be stepping up our game a little bit and taking Love advantage it. of what you guys do over there at Podmatch. Yeah. And that's a great service that you're doing. I'll tell you what, it's so needed for me uh, doing all of the things as I'll just call it, um, which I've subbed a lot of it out, but initially I was doing it all. Cause that's kind of where most of us start. 
And it's, it's a pain to do everything podcasting related. Like I, I wanted to do interviews and then I'm like, oh, but there's 35 things I have to do after an interview in order to actually get it out in front of the world and somebody actually see it. So the service yeah. you guys are providing that white glove service is really cool. So I, I'm, I'm yeah, excited that you're doing that. 35, 35 is, uh, is, is putting it mildly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, um, we, what we've worked out is it's, it's an average of, uh, of 10 to 15 hours of work, depending on how quick you are for every single hour of content that you produce on your podcast. Um, and so people who are doing a podcast a week, um, it's almost a full-time job. Um, yeah. and, but you have to have a full-time job where you have people who have skills in audio editing and video editing and graphic design and writing and social media. Yeah. And so like finding one person who can do all of that is really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the things that stopped our podcast from being able to go for the first couple of years. Cause I was trying to do all of that. Um, and you know, it was just a, you know, pain in the rear end. It is. So anyways, <laughs> podcasting is a, is a super cool thing. And I know that just the way that the business community is going, I, I, was it this last year, 2019 podcasting surpassed radio listenership? Isn't that right? Yeah. I yeah. I believe so. And this year it took off even more like over summer, it like blew up. I mean, podcasting has just been the last couple of years in particular. Like it's kind of crazy that podcasting is 15 years old and the last two years have just, just shot through the roof with listenership. Like you can't go anywhere now and people not be talking about a podcast they heard or, Ooh, I've got yeah, to yeah. do this podcast episode that I heard. And uh, yeah, it's pretty wild, but it's definitely grown a, a lot. Yeah. And what's interesting too, is podcast, the term podcast has grown from like online radio show to include online video shows that may or may not be hosted on like iTunes, something like that. They'll, you know, a lot of people on YouTube are calling their shows podcasts now and Facebook live shows are calling their shows podcasts. Um, and so it's sort of grown to include this like multimedia, you know, regular show content, you know, whether that's politics or, you know, like the show we have here, which is talking to, uh, you know, getting hero stories and stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's just turned into a huge industry and it's only going to continue going. So <laughs> Yeah, it, it's really it's really cool to, to be watching it, to be part of it. It's, it's really cool. It's a great time to get in uh, for anybody who's like been thinking about it. It's a good time to jump into podcasting. So from a business standpoint, is Podmatch your um, primary revenue driver in your business? Yes, it is. Yep. And that's uh, full time for you? Yeah, as of um, time of recording this 10 days ago. Uh, so I'm 10 days into to doing it full time. Awesome. And do you guys, do you have any uh, full-time staff other than yourself for, uh, to run that service? It's me, my wife and a business partner. And he and I are 50, 50 in it. And my wife handles all the administration right now. And we're looking the first week, so far. Yeah. We're looking the first week of January to hire our first VA. We're finishing up like the SOPs for them. So standard operating procedure, writing the instructions yeah, and yeah. things like that. So yeah, we're looking to, to add our first person January. And then we've got a CPA that we're partnered with and an attorney as well that, that works with us. Of course, those are contracted right now. We, we, we're not at the point where we'd want to hire them, but those are kind of like our contractors that, that we do some regular meetings with and make sure that we're keeping up to, to par on from a tax standpoint and a legal standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. I need to do some of that stuff with the tax <laughs> stuff. I know it's the end of the year and I'm like, Oh man, not a fan of taxes, but you know, right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what I want to find out from you then um, is, is your origin story, right? So I say on this show, every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them the hero they are today. Um, and were you born a hero or were you uh, um, bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into, you know, podcasting, become an entrepreneur? Or did you start in a job and eventually, you know, move into this whole entrepreneur space? Basically, you have a story. We want to know what it is. 
Yeah. You know, I, I knew you were going to ask this question because you asked this question and I wasn't quite sure how to answer it because I started off like born a hero, but I lost my way, I guess you could say, and, and went into the corporate world, which there's nothing wrong with the corporate world. though. I learned a ton from it, but I kind of made my way back to entrepreneurship many years later. But so I'm, I'm kind of like a, a hybrid there, if you will. Yeah. So what, where, where, when did you start your first business then? Yeah. So I started my first business at like 10 years old. Um, it was, it was really interesting because I, uh, I got into selling used golf balls. I lived in a neighborhood that had a golf course across the street wow. from it. I remember watching used golf balls. Huh? Yes, I remember. I, w- I was ten, so I remember. But I was like, one day, I, I, I would like to keep the story kind of brief here. I was driving home, or my dad was driving home. I was in the passenger seat. I saw some kids selling lemonade on the side. Of the road. I'm like, what are they doing? Can I do that? And my dad's like, my dad was an entrepreneur through and through. So he's like, absolutely, you can. Like, have mom go buy you this stuff, and you know all that. So I sat out there, and as a ten year old kid, I actually did the math in my head. I was sitting there while I was selling it. I'm like. I'm going to sell like 12 of these at my current pace before I have to go inside. And my mom paid this much for the material. And this is basically what I'm making per hour. And there's, there's no profit in this. Like, why am I doing this? And all like, while I'm doing this, I'm watching the golfers who are pretty close to them. And they were kind of interested in lemonade. So some of them like come over and get lemonade because we were trying to sell the people just driving by. I was like, golfers are interested. Let's move it over there. So we moved it over there. We sold a lot more, but I was watching them. And this is a neighborhood golf course. So like Tiger Woods isn't playing in this neighborhood, right? Like, every other golfer is hitting the ball into the water and then grabbing another one and hitting it in the water and then throwing one over the lake and trying to hit it from there. So I was like, man, I wonder if we could like get those golf balls out because it turns out they're pretty expensive. Like one of the guys was telling us he paid like $3 for each of those balls and he lost three of them at one time. I'm like, it's $9. That's three more bucks. than I'm making an hour, you know? So more or less what I did is I, I ended up um, getting a golf ball retriever and started pulling out of the water and just cleaned them up and then sat out there with lemonade and golf balls to see if anyone would want them. And sure enough, they, these golfers started buying them. So I employed my brother and my neighbor and we just started like creating a system. So it was like after the golf course closed for one hour every day, we'd go grab as many as we could. We'd clean them that next, that next morning and Saturday morning is when we'd like be selling it all. Right. So like we just kind of get all of our inventory all week and sell on Saturday. But I can remember as a 10 year old kid, I did this from 10 to 12. Cause after the age of 12, you're not really that cute anymore and you can't yeah. get away with sitting there selling golf balls anymore. But this worked for me when I was a cute kid. Right. And I remember we would make yeah, each of us would make about $100 on a Saturday morning, which was great. So we'd be bringing $300 for the three of us. And uh, that was a great business when the rest of the kids in the neighborhood were making $4 and $5 selling lemonade. And that was kind of like what opened me up to entrepreneurship. And what I thought was really cool about that is up till that point, I mean, it was only 10. So like I still had time to like develop skills, but I wasn't like very smart when it came to school. And my brothers were musicians and I didn't have that talent. And I wasn't good at video games. Like I was kind of like an awkward kid, man. Like I was like, yeah. what am I good at? Everyone else around me has some skill. And I realized, oh, I'm great at business. And without ever it being told, like the, the, my brother and my neighbor and anyone else ever joined us, they always looked at me as the leader and like, okay, Alex, how much should we price this for? Like, how can we sell this to them? And like, we're 10 year old kids talking about this, of course. And, uh, but yeah, it was one of those things I really discovered like a passion for entrepreneurship at that age. That's awesome. So my, my story is sort of similar. I was 13. Um, and I had just read the uh, rich dad, poor dad books, okay. um, and had a whole, whole pile of things that I had, I had, I had ideas, lots of them. Um, and I convinced my dad to give me a uh, $50 loan because he wasn't going to give me money to buy materials. Um, but I was like, if you give me a, fi- a $50 loan, um, I'll pay you 10% interest when I get it back. Right. That kind of thing. And he, w- he agreed <laughs> to that. And, um, and then he, he did loan me the ride to the big box store. Um, so I, or okay. I gave me the ride to the big box store. So I went down and we bought, uh, the, all the big candies. So it was like the big giant nerd ropes and the big hundred grand bars and the big snicker bars and all the stuff that you can't get on campus. Um, cause I was a freshman in high school 
and I, uh, I brought all of my candy to school in a big bag. You know, it was like the quintessential guy on the New York street, like showing them the wares under their trench coat. <laughs> um, except it was my, uh, my candy bag. And I sold probably $1,500 worth of candy nice. doing that. Um, before I got, uh, I tell people I got shut down by my first government agency at 13 um, mm. because they told me I wasn't allowed to sell on campus without a business license. Public school system, and, and it got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and because I was 13, I couldn't have a business license, so I was not allowed to sell anymore. Um, but anyways, I remember like the first lesson that I had on that was on the whole um, revenue versus profits because like I I bought candy for fifty dollars and I sold it all, and I had hundred dollars, and then I had to pay my dad back $50 and the $10 that I owed him for, you know, the interest or whatever, $5, mm -hmm. can't remember what it was. And then I had to go and restock my inventory and I had even less money than I started with. And so like I had inventory, but I had no dollars. Right. I was like, what just happened? Like I sold all this stuff and I have no money. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to, uh, I had to go back through the rich dad, poor dad book. And like, I got the next one and I was trying to figure out what the hell happened. And then you like learn the difference between revenue and profits. Cause I didn't know. Man, you're brilliant though, because you also learned about inventory costs. I mean, you already passed at 13 what everyone at Shark Tank has a problem with, right? They show up and they're like, we don't have any money. We can't figure out why. And they're like, how much inventory do you have, right? Like, it's the first question that gets asked. You figure this out at 13. You must be a genius, Richard. That's crazy. <laughs> well, anyways, it was just a hard lesson, right? Because I was yeah. like, I sold all this stuff and I was like, I, th I thought I was rich. And then I had to pay everything back and buy inventory to sell more. And I had no money. And I was like, <laughs> what happened? You're like, hold so on a minute. <laughs> So I learned about inventory cost 13, but yeah, that was a, that's how I got started in the entrepreneurship world. So anyways, it's always fun to find other people who started as yeah, kids. Yeah, we, we um, both got like really cool stories, man. I love hearing that. Thank you for sharing that. It's cool. Absolutely. So my next question for you then is about your superpowers, right? So every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's, you know, a fancy flying suit made by a genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky. Heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill or a set of skills that you were born with or you developed over a course of time that really energize all your other skills, right? It's the one skill that sort of connects everything else together. Um, and it's the superpower that sets you apart and lets you help your clients slay their villains, so to speak, and come out on top in their own journeys. So with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower is in business? Yeah, I like that you use the, the term zone of genius. It makes me think of uh, Gay Hendricks, uh, who has uh, the big leap. Like that's what he calls, like you have a zone of excellence and a zone of genius. And I think for many years, I was actually, and I know I'm kind of going off course here just a little bit, but for many years, I was stuck in my zone of excellence. And that's like what pulled me away from entrepreneurship was actually getting into a big corporate job, was really good at almost everything. And I don't mean to sound like, uh, like prideful by saying that, but almost everything came natural to me. I mean, I ran a sales team, I ran commercial operations, like there was all these different things that like, if I got into them, they would do exceptionally well. And it's because I put 110% in all the time. But business, again, that's what came natural to me. But I realized years later that I was in what would be considered like a zone of excellence. Like I was good there, but it wasn't my superpower. I wasn't in my zone of genius or where I was like really able to thrive. And I realized it's because like a lot of it's because of the, the uh, bureaucracy, of course, like that's involved in it, right? Like a big corporate billion dollar company, like you have to wait six months to do an idea. Yeah. And it just wasn't like my, my area. So, but what I realized Later on, and as I've gotten more and more into entrepreneurship space, starting the podcast, starting Podmatch, um, doing all these, these things, I realized where I'm really good is actually responding to other people's needs and seeing an idea from that. I think that many entrepreneurs, we kind of get like a bad, a bad rap, if you will, because we have these ideas and we want to push them out of the world and we get salesy or really like marketing, like heavy about them. Instead of first saying, okay, what is the need that somebody actually has? 
can I find an actual human with that need? And if I can, can I build an idea off of that need as a response instead of just being like, here's my idea world, take it, buy it, use it. Instead of doing that, say like, hey, what, what are you struggling with? How can I help? And I think that if I had one superpower, it would be that ability to be able to talk to somebody and sit down and really understand the root problem they're having and find some sort of trend and offer a solution based off that problem that I'm seeing. Yeah, that's really excellent. So like yesterday I was on another podcast and it was a young college guy who was, he wants to get into entrepreneurship um, and start a business. And his first thought was, I'm going to start a podcast and interview entrepreneurs and learn everything I can. I was like, genius, good on you kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So so he had me on and one of his questions was like, how do you build a business? Like, how would you start? And I was like, my answer to that question was essentially is like, you have to find a group of people that have a couple of like things. First thing is they need to have a problem that's causing them pain. The second thing is they should have money and have a willingness to spend that money to solve their Mm. problem. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you get those two things, then your other part of the business is you develop a unique solution that solves that problem. And then your last part of the business is figuring out how you can get that solution to that market. That's your marketing and your message and all that kind of stuff. I was like, that's all there is really to business is those three things. Yeah. Um, Is, you know, group of people with a problem, money, willingness to solve that problem, unique solution, and then marketing that connects those things. Everything else is just like stuff you have to figure out along the way. Yeah, you, you actually got into like that last part of like actually marketing it to them because you have to say it in a way that they can understand. You, you had um, uh, Tim Fitzpatrick, I think it was episode 131 with him. And that was really good. Like if anyone's like, oh, this sounds really interesting, what Richard just said, like seriously, go back and listen to that episode because that was awesome where you guys really got into like the words to use uh, to yeah. really get that idea in front of the right people. But anyway, I don't mean to sound like an advertisement for you. I just really like that episode. Uh, and Tim's, yeah. Tim's a friend. So like I had to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, Tim's a good guy. Um, and I think, I'm not sure if it was Tim, but um, I think we may have had him on for our second episode. I'm not, I don't remember. I'll have to check. Oh, okay. Um, but anyways, the uh, um, that's a really unique thing for for having as a superpower is just realizing like not everyone sees that. Right. And it's particularly rare in the entrepreneurship world is like, as you said, a lot of people get into they start with the idea um, and then they try and go and find a market for it instead of mm-hmm. starting with the market and then building something that helps solve that market's problem, which is yeah, it's, it's, you're, it's you're a, absolutely right. Yeah, it's a much, much different way to build a business, um, but it also um, generally works a lot better and faster. <laughs> Yeah. I've been a guy who's done the other way for a long time. So like, this is a superpower I developed over time. Like I wasn't born with that, that way of just knowing to like, look for those problems, but I've gotten better and better at it. And it's not just to identify the problems because everyone has a lot of problems. And I'm not saying that like, we shouldn't be sensitive to that or empathetic toward the problems people have, but they're not all an idea that you're going to be able to profit from and, or be able to build a business or a solution around, like, it's not always the case. And it's, it's up to us to be able to really identify that. And I think that that's kind of like where my sweet spot is with that superpower, right? I can see the problem, but then I can also think about, is there really a solution needed here? Cause a lot of people, they have like these problems. People are like, Ooh, someone should build a business around that. And if you really think about it, you're like, no, that, that doesn't really make sense. Or like, that's not the space that I want to be in. Cause I don't ever see it really going anywhere. I'm not driven wholly by profit. I'm more like, I seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. That's one of like my core beliefs, but there's some things that like, I can't really serve people if I'm spending all my time to do something that's not going to have any return. Uh, I'm going to waste all my time, my energy on something that like is a problem that might not really exist. Right. 
So yeah. anyway, I know I'm rambling it's, it's there a, a little bit. But it's one of power. one of those uh, just because you can doesn't mean you should right. um, problems. And like one of my favorites that happened just over the last couple of years is the rise of the automated bot systems that happen with like Facebook bots and you know iMessage bots and all those other things. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting down with a client who had spent an obscene amount of time um, building like they recreated Zillow through a messenger bot. Um, and mm. like, and I was like, why, why would you do that? Because no one's going to go and think to themselves, like, I want to go and, um, and talk to a robot and tell them like, you know, go back and forth, like, Hey, what kind of house do you want? And it's going to give you options. I want a two bedroom and then go back to the next thing. And like, what area? And you tell them and go back and forth and you have this like 20 minute long conversation to get to the point where it shows you essentially search results in a chat thing that you then have to open up into a browser. And anyway, it's like, I was like, Zillow already exists right. and like does all that stuff way easier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, so you solved a problem that nobody wants. Like nobody wants to do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's an interesting one. I, I have not seen that. That must've taken an unbelievable amount of time to build those automations and those responses. But yeah, I guess good, good project for somebody, I suppose. It's a good project. And you know, it's cool to see like what you can do, but yeah. at the oh, same time, it's not, it's not, it's not ever going to be a, a, a viable business because they started with a solution and not with a group of people that had a problem. Cause like that group of people that have a problem already have a solution for it. And this solution is not better. It's worse. Like yeah. it's phone tree on text message. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. Yeah. I mean, t- t- testing the market is really important and seeing what's already out there. I think a lot of us, we get so excited and we have an idea that we just like, Ooh, I'm going to start doing this, but it's really important to do your, your due diligence and make sure, okay, is there anyone else already in this space doing exactly what I'm thinking? Cause you don't want to get like six months in and be like, Oh man, there's like four or five big players in this space that really own it. Like that, that shouldn't stop you if you really have the desire to do it, but if it's already there, you have to really think, okay, do I have any unique value I'm going to add? Do I solve a problem in a different way than the rest of these people? Or am I planning on doing exactly the same thing? Uh, because yeah, you might not want to actually jump into that. It's something to really be mindful of is to, to take yeah, a look yeah. around before you just take action. So I want to dive into one other thing that you mentioned, um, because I think it's a really unique framing for that. And that's the idea of uh, the, the uh, zone of excellence versus zone of genius. Um, so I had, I had a, a real good friend of mine um, a couple of years ago now got in front of a, we had a small group mastermind. There's like six of us and, you know, all, you know, had hit certain revenue levels in our business and we're looking to take it to the next level. Um, and she used to work with a, uh, um, high-end like Fortune 5,000 CEOs and help them grow and things like that. And all of them are, you know, millionaires, multimillionaires, billionaires, that kind of stuff, like super successful dudes and ladies. Um, and she was like, there was the, the common thread that all of them had. Um, and she would talk to them all about this. So it's like they all, every single one of them, if they were in that millionaire plus category running a big successful business, they all had the one rule that they followed. And it was like, you have, you have your, your one thing, right? what what uh we would might refer to as your zone of genius and like that's they were ruthless about only doing their one thing um and everything else got delegated to other people um and uh and learning how to do that and her encouragement to us was like you need to figure out what your one thing is um and i like the frame the framing of like there's a lot of things you can be really good at like Mm -hmm. they're in your zone of excellence but there's the one thing that's your zone of genius and like that's where you can you can really next level um, and for me, it was learning how to how to see and think in systems. That's like my zone of genius. And that's where like the Push Button Podcast was built and turned into a nice scalable business for me. Um, and I'm just sort of 
interested in like what what are your thoughts for someone who's sort of in that space and struggling looking at the the things like hey i've got a whole group of things in my on my plate here that i'm pretty good at that i can do good things with i can make profit with but how do you sort of determine in that plate of things what is your zone of excellence versus what's your zone of genius yeah first off we all we've all got like that zone of genius and the idea is to get yourself into that zone of, of genius from excellence, right? Like, because we're all going to be in that excellence phase and you have to spend some time there. Like you can't say, okay, I'm, I'm only going to be a genius. And I know I sound like Gay Hendricks right now, if anyone has ever read his book, but he talks about like how we have to do the things we're excellent at, but we also have to find a way to get into that, that genius zone. And I, I think for me, the first thing that we have to do, because many people don't actually know what it is. Like many entrepreneurs that they're good at a lot of things. Like entrepreneurs these days are so savvy and like smart. Like it's rare that I talk to somebody who's like an entrepreneur that I'm not like, wow, you're a genius. You know, like I could learn so much from you, but like not everything they're doing is pure genius. Like when they're posting something on their social media, unless they are actually in that space, like that's not, that's, that's an administrative task for them at some, at some sense. And they might be excellent at it, but again, that's not the thing. So I think the first practice that I recommend to people is to sit down alone with a piece of paper and a pen in a place that you are highly inspired. So for me, I've mentioned I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. I live just a few minutes from the ocean. To me, it's to go walk out to the ocean and sit there alone, no phone, no music. It's just me, a pen and some paper. And I think about it. Okay. Like what is waves? That's it, man. You know, like, but like, I I feel inspired in that area. And I'm at that moment, I'm like, okay, what am I, what am I really good at? What do I uniquely add to the world? Like, what's my value add? How do I serve people in the, in the strongest, most powerful way that I possibly can and figure out what that, that genius is or that superpower, right? Like, how do I really figure this out? And the thing is, we all really know this. We just have to dig deep enough to find it sometimes. And if anyone's like, I just don't even know where that is. It's a combination of something that you are far better than most people at and something that you thoroughly enjoy. Like, yeah. I'm really good at keeping a schedule, a calendar, but that is not my zone of genius. Like that, that's not it because I don't necessarily enjoy it. It's going to be something that, that gets your passion going, that gets you excited, that you also are just really good at. But finding it, I think it starts with just getting alone. And, uh, and that for me has been a great practice that I do on a regular basis. Quarterly, I try to sit down and really think about it. It's not that it's changing yeah, every yeah. quarter, but I, I refresh and I'm like, okay, let me make sure I get back to it. Alex, am I actually doing the thing that is my superpower or have I slipped away and, and gone more just into the administrative excellence that I, that I carry myself in? Yeah. So I have, I have a couple of recommendations along the same line. So I think absolutely should get alone and think through those things and actually like get some ideas um, about where you're at. And then the, the next sort of step there is like learning how to filter the things that you've put down. Um, and for me, the filter that always, that I always tell either clients and friends stuff who are trying to work through things, figure out where they fit is, Anything that's that anytime you run into the run into a thought or you're discussing things with other people and you say, Oh, that's easy. Right? Yeah. That's easy. Anyone could do that. Like that's, that's a that's a tell that you're 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 skirting around your zone of genius. Um, because it's easy for you. Um, and the reason it's easy is because you have both the skill set and the joy that goes with it. Right. That's sort of the tell that you're finding the right spot. Um, and the other one is is generally speaking, your superpower, your zone of genius is going to have a thread that sort of runs through all of your other things. Hmm. Right. Um, so like for me, um, and this took me forever to figure out, um, because my, my zone of genius is in, like, I see the world in systems, right. I don't actually like see the things I see the systems that make them happen. Which, You're in the matrix. I get it. 
yeah like that kind of thing i see i yeah. see all the little code things You're right, right. <laughs> not actually code but i see i i like like you know i was i was i've mentioned on the podcast a few times like last year i was like i need to learn to draw so i took a drawing class and like I didn't listen to the teacher as much as like a normal person would. I was like watching what they were doing and breaking down their system. Um, Cause most people don't know how to break down their own systems as well as like I do. <laughs> and like, by the end of the month, I was like drawing, drawing human anatomy stuff. And my wife is like, you're just dumb. Like, because not because you're dumb, but because I hate <laughs> you because it took me years to get as good as it took you to get in like four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. man. Um, and, and so, you know, I, and, and like, so, my my like my zone of genius allows me to get good at things really quick so i have a lot of things that have fallen into that zone of excellence and right. what i realized was like hey it's the thing that's actually making me have a wide zone of excellence is all these little things that are they're all tied together back to this one zone of genius and everyone that i've talked to um that we've really sat down and dived into where the zone of genius is you can find that right so one of my best friends and business partners he his superpower is empathy like his like That's it's awesome. amazing. Yeah, his That's ability incredible. to like put himself into someone else's shoes and like actually experience the world the way that they do, just insane. Um, I want that one. It, I, yeah. I was, real quick, I'm gonna cut you off. I was on another podcast and they asked me what my superpower is or what I wish it could be, and I went the wish what I wish it could be, and I wish it, I could be empathy. That's incredible that, that you know somebody like that. Anyway, don't mean to cut you yeah. off, but that's like a, that's an outstanding superpower it's, to have. It's an it's an excellent superpower, um, and he's one of the coolest guys I know. Um, and it's it's super fascinating because we started going through. He's got the same kind of thing where he's got a lot of things that he's really good at. And we started going back through his life and like, how did you get good at this thing? And when we would really think about it, it all came back to like, he had this skill and empathy that allowed him to understand people and really like dive into things and get them. And right. Anyways, it's, it's the common thread in all of his things in his zone of excellence was they all came back to that empathy. Right. And mine, same thing, the breadth of excellence that you had, they all came back to my love of systems. And I would imagine if you really thought about it, a lot of the things that fit into your zone of excellence are going to come back to that, um, that ability to see the solution to problems that are being presented. Yeah. You're hundred so. percent right, man. And I, and I think that, you know, anyone who's listening is like, oh, wow, this, this makes so much sense. The goal is to figure out how to, to operate in that, in the, your genius, right. In your superpower, because they're, if you're doing a podcast, even there is so much work that goes into it. Like we talked about, it's like, okay, how can I get more of my time to do the thing that is my superpower? That is my zone of genius instead of getting, I guess, bombarded and stuck in just what I'm decent at or above average or that I have to do. Right. Like that becomes the, the ultimate question for people to answer. I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's like, that's the, that's the tough part is like, how do you build a business that, um, that is based around your zone of genius. And what I, what I mean by, by based around it is that your contribution to the business is directly in your zone of genius, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't, it doesn't need, need to mean that like, Hey, I'm good at systems. Therefore my business is selling systems, right? That that's not what it means. Um, or um, it, it means that like your contribution to whatever problem you've chosen to solve for people is in your zone of genius. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, it definitely does. And, and I'm in complete agreement that that's, that's what it's all about. That's how you succeed long-term and don't turn into more of like a cog, if you will, right? Like someone who just now is stuck doing the task they can't ever grow anything. Like that's how you keep yourself growing, keep the business excelling is by being able to do exactly what you're talking about here, man. I think that you're hitting it just right, Richard. 
<laughs> well, thank you. So I want to I want to flip that then and talk about the other side of your superpower, which is your fatal flaw, right? So just like every Superman has their kryptonite or Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad, you probably have a flaw that's held you back in your business, something um, that you struggled with. For me, it was a couple of things, right? I, for the longest time, struggled with perfectionism, where I wouldn't actually ship products or services because I was like, there's just another couple of tweaks I can make, or maybe I could I could re-record that video for the thousandth time because you know I needed to be exactly perfect. <laughs> Right, whatever it is, I struggled with perfectionism for a long time until I realized that it's like the lowest standard that you can hold yourself to. Um, or one of the other ones was uh, um, lack of self care, which came across in a lot of ways. But the first and the most important aspect for that for me was um, I would let clients walk all over me. I didn't have any good boundaries set wow. up, like calendars, phone times, when people could get a hold of me. Um, and I said yes to everything. And a lot of that was just being a young entrepreneur and needing revenue and not learning how to actually like set up healthy boundaries and set up a uh, good health care and then like actually, you know, take care of yourself. So if you were healthy and fit to come, you know, show up and, and do good work. Um, so like, those are a couple of my flaws. Um, and I think, but more important than what they are is how have you worked to rectify them? So yeah. people who are listening might learn a little bit from your experience. Yeah. So I've got two that I'm going to share. Uh, the first of which is that uh, perfectionism, as you called it. And the other is an addiction to productivity. Um, I'll start off with talking about the perfectionism. So for a long time, I, I was like you, I was like, oh, I could just record this video one more time. It'd be great. Or if this website could just look a little bit more like this, it'd be like perfect. Right? Like how many times have we said that? Like, and having that, that yeah. standard, that idea isn't a, a bad thing. It's how you learn to manage it. Right? Because it is dangerous. Here's the thing. Nothing is ever perfect. Like, uh, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. And even the Bible says like, well done, good and faithful servant is what you'll hear one day when you go to heaven, not perfect job. Like God doesn't even have that standard for us. And we do, right? Like, <laughs> so it's kind of crazy yeah. that we, we hold ourselves to that, but I get that we have this desire to do something excellent for people, but it goes back to what my superpower actually is. And it's how I learned to overcome it. I let my superpower drive me instead of my, one of my biggest downfalls, if you will. And if I truly am creating something to serve somebody, it's in my best interest to meet their need as quickly as I possibly can without it being perfect because they're just looking for a solution. Here's a great example of this. And this was actually from Seth Godin. And this is something I learned from him when he and I had a conversation. He said, Alex, if you were a lifeguard, new lifeguard, not really that great. You're not perfect at it. You haven't figured it all out yet. And you saw someone drowning in the water. Would you go out and save them? Or would you first go try to find a better lifeguard that can go out there and save them? Cause they could probably do a better job with it. And that was like a light bulb moment for me. I was like, wow, that's good in the water. <laughs> and I would go pull that person out of the water, even if it was ugly. And if I did it wrong, like I would make sure that I did that to go save that person. And I think as entrepreneurs, we have to think about that. If we're struggling with perfectionism, we have to be willing to start exactly where we're at to start serving the need that someone else has. So for me, Podmatch was a great example. We launched that thing at MVP level. I mean, it was ugly. Like it hurt minimum me to viable launch. product. Yeah, min- yeah. Thank you. Minimum viable product. Like it was like, it was functional. It worked. It solved the problem, but it did not look pretty doing it. There was nothing sexy about it yet. But here's the thing. Everyone who was using it forgave me for that because they're like, oh, this is great. It's solving my need. It's helping me. It's doing what it needs to do. And over time, you should be focused on continuous improvement, right? Like get better over time. And so that's what I've been able to do. And, and so Podmatch was a great example of me learning to, to overcome that perfection, perfectionist mindset, if you will. And uh, the other thing that, that I still struggle with, this is probably still a current struggle for me that I'm working through, but I'm addicted to productivity, which like maybe sounds a little like, no, that's a good thing, right? Like I like to be productive, but sometimes I spend too long in my inbox because I'm like, I could probably get the inbox zero today if I keep at it. 
right? And then I'm not working on my, my superpower, my, my zone of, of genius. I'm working on something that I'm good at, which is getting through my inbox and keeping it clean. But that's productivity for the sake of productivity, not productivity for the sake of results or solving a need or meeting a problem. And that's one yeah. that I still have to meet through. And that comes with just a lot of self-discipline of setting a, 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 even like literally on my phone, I will set a 30 minute clock and be like, you can play in your inbox for 30 minutes and then you've got to stop. And oh, so, Alex, you've got to delegate this because you can't quick, just sit here and do this. Quick question on that. Do you have yeah. children? I know you mentioned you're married. I, I am, but I do not have kids. So my, this, this might be sound like a strange recommendation. Have kids. They'll fix that. <laughs> <laughs> They'll fix that one? <laughs> so, and, and, and here's, here's what I mean by that. All right. So the, because I, I, I used to do the same thing. Um, and I was like, I could just work a little bit more. I could work a little bit longer. I could get a little bit more done. Right. Um, and you realize a lot of those things aren't, um, they, they're, 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 if you've ever seen that little, that little thing where it's like, you've got urgent and important. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, right. And like a lot of those things are urgent, but they're not important. Um, and when you have, at least for me, you know, becoming a dad changes you. Um, and you get, you get to this point where you're like the things that I want to do, like everything in my life is geared towards like, how can I spend more time? playing and doing cool things with my kids while they're growing up because mm. you realize I don't have a lot of time right? right my oldest son's 11 already I'm like I've only got like seven years before this kid's gonna move out um <laughs> and go on his own and you know I gotta cram a whole lot, a lot of life into the next seven years <laughs> yeah so so when it comes down to it the the actual like science behind it is uh, something I talk about all the time on on our podcast and when I get on to other guest podcasts is the idea that creativity thrives with with uh restrictions mm. right it thrives with boundaries um and early in my entrepreneur career, um, I say early just because, you know, it was like five or six years ago, um, but it was really like halfway through because I've only been doing this for 10 or 11 years now. Yeah. Um, is the, um, I had this thought that I was like, I want to work less, but get more done. Hmm. Right. And already that's a better question than, you know, can I just work more? Um, so, you know, ask yourself better questions. It's a type of type of boundary. But the other thing that, that came out of that is like, what what if I started making restrictions? What if instead of working until I was out of breath during the day, like what if I restricted myself to working eight hours a day, hmm. right? And instead of seven days a week, what if I restricted it to five days a week? And eventually that became, what if I didn't work on Fridays to what if I only work four, day, four hours a week or a day, right? And like my average day now is four hours a day, four days a week. And my business is five or six times bigger than it was five years ago. That's awesome, man. Right? Um, and that's, um, what that does is you realize that like, I, I was just reading one of my friends on Facebook this morning. He's got a big business. He's like, just because I work less than you doesn't mean that I don't outwork you. Right. Right. Um, and cause you realize that like, Hey, when you start putting the restrictions on it, what happens is you start focusing on the things that are only in the important category That's right. and delegating everything else. Um, and for me, having the kids was a motivation to make sure that I was only spending time on stuff that was important. So if I did have to tell my kids, no, I can't play right now. I was like, cause I'm working on something important for my business, not because I'm trying to get to inbox zero, which is meaningless. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> so I don't know if that helps at all, but that's, that's one of the things that helped me. hundred percent, man. Like, and, and uh, like when I say I haven't like figured this one out quite yet, it's because I'm, I'm implementing di disciplines along the way. And that's like, what's, what's helping me. So I, I don't chase inbox zero very often, but it's because I have that timer set. But if I turn off that timer, I'll be in there until late at night, but it's true. You know, even in the corporate jobs, like we, we know that 40 hours a week has been proven to get more productivity out of a employee than if they work 50 or 60, they can do more with less time because they learn, they know they have to prioritize. Everyone understands like, okay, 
These are things that my boss has told me I have to get done. If I tell, if he tells me I've got 40 hours to do it or 60, I can get it done in 40. And most people can, they kind of avoid the rest of it. So, I mean, I learned that with my, my staff in, in corporate and uh, yeah, but this is one of those things that like is a constant battle and it's all comes down to self-discipline for me because there's not a lot of results that come from it. It's just, I'm addicted to that productivity. Like it seems like fun to me, but it's one that I, again, I'm learning to continue to overcome and uh, working on frameworks to be able to figure out how to do that. But what you shared is definitely super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's my, uh, my, my thing I tell everyone is like, if you want to get more productive, start putting restrictions on what you are allowing yourself to do for work. Mm-hmm. Um, because it does a couple of things for you. One, you get the benefit of more time to spend stuff on, spend on stuff that you actually enjoy that isn't work. Um, and I tell people all the time, you have to give yourself permission to play. Um, cause for whatever reason, culturally in America, at least we think that, uh, in order to do, um, when we do good work, we get to reward ourselves with recreation instead of realizing that like recreation and rest are required in order to show up and do good work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and anyways, it gives you more time to actually get into that self-care and, and, um, and, you know, give yourself permission to play and enjoy life a little bit. Um, cause then you can show up and, and kick ass when you need to. That's right. hundred percent, man. <laughs> so. Okay. So my next question for you is about your common enemy, right? And every superhero has an arch nemesis. It's the thing that they constantly have to do battle with in their world. In the world of business, it takes on a lot of forms, um, but generally we like to put it in the context of your clients, right? So for the clients you have for pod, um, pod, wow, I'm going to mess this up. Pod, pod, pod match, pod match, pod match. There we go. Yeah. Pod match. Um, so, and it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you sort of run into regularly that you're like, you know, banging your head against the wall going like, why do I always have to deal with this with our clients? Um, and if you had your magic wand and every new client you could take on, you could just bap them on the head and not have to deal with that anymore. What would you say your arch nemesis is for pod match? Yeah. So right now, because we are still very early phase, I mean, th- this idea, like I had the idea for it on March 10th, 2020. So when we're recording this, it's, it's less than a year old still. And so we're kind of figuring out like where those things are, like what's the problems, what's, what's the solutions that are needed. Um, I'd say the biggest issue right now is finding the really the right people to join that, that don't have a hundred questions. And I have no problem answering questions, but some people um, they want to jump on a call. And at first I was like, Oh great. Someone's interested. I'll jump on a call. But then I started doing the math. These calls are 20 minutes a piece and they want to talk about it for 20 minutes before they want to sign up. And it's a free membership. I could spend my whole day talking to, a handful of people they're going to sign up and not one of them convert to a paying client. And, and I want to get to know the right people, the people that I feel I can learn from, but I can't jump on a call with everybody. So I think if there was a way to, and this is something that I have to do in my messaging to really clarify it, to have some sort of like video series or something like that can be like, Hey, can't jump on a call right now, but here's something that really explains it really well. I know that that would be super helpful. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I have a desire to get on the call with every single person who wants to use it, but it's just not realistic. Like I'll use every moment of my life doing that with very little result, but it's, it's how to really come up against that. And it's very common. Like, Oh, this sounds great. Alex love to jump on a call. And you know, how do I respond in a nice way and say, no, you know, like, cause I have to, if I'm going to help the other members and onboard more people and continue, you know, adding that value and being a service, your service has a network, your, your service has a network effect, right? Yeah. The more people you get on it, the better it is for everyone. Exactly. hundred percent, man. Yeah. It's yeah. how do you get to that point without having to jump on the, the random call? So right now that enemy is the, the common response and people mean very well by it. Like, Oh, Alex, I'd love to jump on a call. And uh, that, that's kind of what I'm facing right now. So it almost seems to me that like you would, you need to have like two forms of messaging, right. For, um, for the podcast guests and for the podcast hosts, um, because we have a different set of problems mm-hmm. um, and you'll have to hit those problems, um, you know, differently. 
Um, I don't exactly know where you should go with that. But anyways, that's just like in my head because I do both like guesting on podcasts right. and um, and uh, as a host. And like for me um, as a host, like the couple of things um, and I like just by the way, when I pulled up your thing on pod um, pod match to bring you on here. Genius. Like I, I want all of my guests to come through and give me a link like that. Cause like I'll, um, when I ask for people for like, Hey, their information, it's got like your photo and your bio and all those things on it. Um, like I will get sometimes, um, three or four page long bios and I'm like, right. I can't, I can't, I can't introduce you with a four page bio. And <laughs> three hour episode. Time, <laughs> like I don't have to, I don't have to, uh, I don't have time to read it all and then pick out the good stuff. I need you to do that. Like that's where, where it's at. So like, I love, I love the way, you know, yours popped up and it had like the nice short bio on it. So I can introduce you things like that. So like hosts have a different set of problems than guests do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and guests are probably going to be more along the lines of like learning how to know what is my story that I'm going to tell. Um, that's interesting enough that podcast guests or podcast hosts want to bring me on and talk to, you know, talk to their audience. Um, and not everyone knows how to do that. Right. I've had, um, we've done 150 episodes now on our podcast, and I would say probably about 70% of them are pretty solid, but we run into about 30% of the guests that like they don't actually know their story real well. So it's hard to um, hard to pull it out of them. Um, and is, the better you get as an interviewer, the uh, um, the easier that becomes where you can right. help, help a guest through that. But the guests like yourself who really know your story and really know what you're talking about, um, those are the guests that are a pleasure to have on. Right. And I think from from a service standpoint, as someone who's looking to bring guests on, if I could go to your service and more and more and more of the people that I get on through your service have that like nailed down, that would just make me happy in every way. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, man. hundred percent. Yeah. And that, that makes so much sense, really, because like finding the people that can really hone their craft and know what they're doing is it, it can be tough, but kind of providing a framework for it, it, it definitely helps out, right? Being like, hey, this is what people are probably going to ask you or what questions would you want them to ask you? Um, and that's part of the you know onboarding with, with Podmatch. Um, it's really helpful for people and, and it adds a lot of value to them and to the people that are interested in, in booking them or that they're being booked by. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. So the flip side then of your common enemy is your driving force, right? So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. What is it that you are fighting for with PodMatch? Yeah. So you mentioned like the network effect effect is obviously the, the end goal, if you will, but it all kind of started from a place of, I noticed that there was a need in this industry. And, and like I said, I had that problem. I started with my, my own podcast. It's tough to find people who would be guests on the flip side. There's people who have great stories that, they want, they want to share. They have, they have a new book out that they're excited about. Like, how can they get that out there in this world? And uh, for me, that's what we're, we're protecting. We want to make sure that great interviews happen because so many people are starting to listen to podcasts. I mean, more than every four listening as well. We want to make sure that good quality content is getting out there. You know, we talked about those people that actually have like the, the story that they, that they know they want to share. Like we're finding those people and getting them in front of a podcast host where then people are a few hundred people maybe are listening to it, but it's, it's helping change a life. And so for me, it's just really making this system streamlined so that people can get on there and just focus on the interview and just crush it, have like the right people that fit the, the show and the, the, the vision of it, right? So the world can hear some great content. I know that's like a huge kind of broad vision, but Richard, man, that's, that's what I'm here doing. So a thing that just popped into my head while you were saying that um, is something that I've been terrible at that I wish I had been doing a better job at is as an interviewee, right? As the host of a show. Um, one of the things that I think or actually it probably goes both ways is having some sort of a review system 
that was like at the end of the interview it was like hey what's it like being interviewed by richard on the hero show and on the flip side of that what's it like having richard as a guest on your show just for like social proof stuff that you could start using and sending in when you're like looking to book guests or get on people on your show um that'd be that'd be a cool thing to uh to figure out mostly because i want it and i haven't ever figured out how to get it like actually turn it into a thing for my own <laughs> my yeah, own we built uh, that in the process actually we, we built that into it it's at the end of the the process it asks the guest how the host did and the host how the guest did and they give some opportunities for reviews and stuff like that so we, we've kind of built nice. that in a little bit not quite to the level you're saying yet but we are going to get there yeah that's cool well, you guys are not even a year old yet so i imagine yeah. you know a couple of years down the line you'll, you guys will be a top-notch service in the uh, in nice, the uh, in the podcast space so that'd be super cool to see how it goes down so I want to talk about something uh, more practical, um, you know, like day-to-day -day work style stuff. And I call this your hero's tool belt. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just like every superhero has their tool belt, you know, with awesome gadgets like batarangs or web slingers or laser eyes or whatever it is. I want to talk about the top one or two tools you use every day in your business that you couldn't live without, right? Um, could be anything from your notepad to your calendar to your marketing tools, something you use for your product delivery, you know, could be the beach that you go to to sit down and, and uh, listen to the crashing waves <laughs> while you talk, right? Something that you just think is essential to getting your job done on, day, on a daily basis today. Yeah. So the, the first one I'll mention is some form of daily journal is really important. Uh, it helps me a lot. It's, I, I like ones that have like, a, it's more like a day planner. So it has a, a, some sort of calendar in it as well. Like, yes, I use a digital calendar. I'm not like, you know, living in the dark ages or anything like that, but I reproduce everything on an actual like piece of paper as well. So right now I'm using uh, the intention journal by Brandon Turner, uh, bigger pockets guy, and it's maybe kind of catered towards real estate investing, but it works great. I've used uh, Brennan Bouchard's um, high performance uh, calendar, or maybe it was journal or something like that. But I like to switch them up a little bit to kind of just, again, keep my flow. I keep my calendar on there, but it helps me really determine what I'm going to do that day. That's the, that's the point of these things. They're, they're focused on intentionality. So it helps me understand, okay, this is the task that I have to get done today. And that's just, that's so important. You know, I think to uh, Keller Williams, uh, he talks about the one thing, right? They have him and Jay Pappas on have yeah. that book, the one thing, like, what is the one thing that if I do it today, I will get closer to my end goal tomorrow. And these journals really help me do that. So that's the number one thing that, I mean, I walk, I mean, it's literally, I don't have hardly anything in reach of me right now, but I could, it's, it's right here, right next to me. Like I've got it always ready to go. And, uh, I'd say aside from that, the tool that I've been really using with, with my business partner, um, to keep us on track with Podmatch and keep it growing in a healthy way is we use Trello. Um, and we really enjoy that just from keeping our tasks organized, keeping our chats in one place. You can build individual cards. So it's like, everything's like a little project in there. That's really helped us stay organized. Like I, I think about trying to do what I'm doing without that. It'd be really tough to, to have the same level of progress and productivity, uh, meaningful work getting done if I didn't have that tool. So those would be my two things, the, the journal and Trello are two things I'm using right awesome. now. Yeah. We, we run our whole business on Trello. I have a, oh, I have awesome. a training. Cool. I have a training on Trello I'll send you, um, which is all about the language of business systems. Yes, um, I need that. <laughs> it's called it's called push button process, but it really should be called how to make Trello your bitch or something like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're calling it, just send it to me. I want it. All right, Richard. 
but you know, if you if you learn to think through business systems properly, right, and you actually get the language right, because a lot of people use the word system and process and workflow um, interchangeably mm-hmm. without having having really solid definitions for what they are. Um, so I I teach I teach people all the time. It's one of the things I do sort of like on the side because like my my life and like my life's work is systems, right? That's how I think yeah. and operate. Um, so is is how to have a really solid language for systems because if you know how to speak about systems then when you get into something that helps you manage systems like trello that's what it is it's a system management right or project management is then you can make trello be a um like trello is already pretty good um but when when you really understand how a system flows together you can um you can you can really make it sing, right? And you know, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's Trello or not. It could be Trello or Asana or any of the the project management systems out there. If you understand the foundational language of like how a system works and how it flows and what the things go into it, you can do some really, really awesome stuff. And you know, for us, like we we uh we manage our entire podcast business scalably um, in a way that like I don't even have to touch it. It just does everything on its own That's because awesome. of Trello um, yeah. and because of that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I want to see what you've worked up there, man. You've got more experience than I do, but I'm already thankful for the tool. So I'm excited to learn more about it. Absolutely. Trello is super cool. I uh, I don't know what we would do without it. Um, and and I'm, I'm there. The, the, the journaling thing, however, um, I have this problem in my life that if I take it from my head and I write it onto a piece of paper, um, it like legitimately is gone. Like okay. I can't. Like it's just forever gone. Like I'm, I'm the kind of person that like once it's on paper, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, I have had to in the past be like, hey, what happened to that check that was written to me because it was on a piece of paper and I threw it in the garbage on accident. <laughs> like <laughs> oh, paper no, things <laughs> don't go well with me. Um, so like, like I don't even handle cash because like when we get cash, I give it to my wife because I'm like, I will lose this. Yeah, I do the same thing actually. <laughs> yeah, that, that, one, that so, one's true for me too. I give it away a lot. And she's like, dude, you got to stop giving away money. I'm like, I just don't know what to do with it. Like when I, I like the digital money, right? Like <laughs> that makes sense. So like all of my calendars and all of my, like, even if I'm doing like, you know, going through the thing of like, Hey, I, I know what my, uh, my next things are. I have to do it all on my phone because my phone is going to ding me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, remind yeah. <laughs> me what the next thing is. Um, and my calendar, like if I wrote it down and put it on the, on the thing there, it's never going to ding me and I'm never right. going to remember to look at it. So. True. <laughs> so it's never worked for me, but it does work for a lot of people. My wife's that way. Um, hers, however, I guarantee you is way prettier than yours because she spends an obscene amount of time putting stickers and decorating it and coloring and oh. doing all sorts of doodles and whatnot because apparently that's a thing, right? I, so. mine, I, I have chicken scratch handwriting and it's all in black ink and there's no pictures or designs, but maybe I need to step it up a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, like, like there's like a whole thing. There's like bur- bullet journaling. If you look up bullet journaling on yeah. YouTube, like there's yeah. people that are like really into it and they like every month, like calendar thing is like a work of art. My wife's is like that. And I'm like, she's like, you don't understand if it's pretty, then I actually get all the stuff done. If it's not pretty, then I don't. And I'm like, don't get it, but I'm glad it works for you. Cause she runs our house like a boss. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, I, it goes back to me talking about like one of those things I'm trying to overcome is being addicted to productivity, which partially isn't, isn't always bad. Right. Um, that doesn't sound productive to me. I'd rather just quickly write it down and check it off as soon as it's done. Right. Like that's, that's yeah. what I look at, but Hey, our minds all work differently and it's cool that, that works for her. I could probably maybe take a, a note or two from that and, and learn something. Yep. And it, it cracks me up because every month or she does at the beginning of every week, she sits down and like plans out the whole week because, you know, we got four kids and three of them yeah. are in homeschool and, you know, she runs the, the house and like manages our travel and does all sorts of stuff. So she's got, she's got a lot of stuff to do um, and, you know, to run our house, especially when we travel and do all this, um, all the things we do. So 
if it works for her and it keeps it running, I was like, if I had to replace all the things that my wife does, it would cost me like 300 grand a year in employees. So I can't imagine. <laughs> Speaking of heroic tools, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about a tool we built that powers the hero show and is now this show's primary sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. You're listening to The Hero Show, unlocking the power of influence and success. So my next question for you then is about your uh, your your own personal heroes, right? So every hero um, has their mentors, right? Frodo had Gandalf, um, Luke had Obi-Wan, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, um, Spider-Man even had his uncle Ben, right? So who were some mm -hmm. of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors, speakers or authors, maybe peers who were a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they, what you've accomplished so far in your business? Yeah, so I've got, I've got more than I can mention. So I'll go with like a few that... Um, that, that really helped me along the way. Uh, one, uh, an indirect one was Brendan Bruchard um, has really been helpful for me. He has a book called High Performance Habits and it really spoke to me. Like he's again, an indirect mentor. I've never met him, never talked to him, but he had this book that really helped me figure out some pieces that I was missing, like as a hero, right? And the, the main thing I, I pulled from his book was the habit of, of courage and stepping out and, and overcoming fear. It was things I had never really thought about and I had gotten complacent in my life over years and he was the person who really helped me figure that out. So Brendan Bruchard would be definitely one of them. And then I've got some, some local, like some hometown heroes, if you will, some people that have been in my life, one of which is my dad. He's always been an entrepreneur and he's just brilliant. Like he has an engineer mind. He can step into like almost any kind of business unless it's all digital. Like if it's all digital, he doesn't quite get it. But if there's like a product or a service you're providing, he can walk in and within minutes figure out like an entire new way to do things that is usually a lot better than the way it's getting done. He's just always had that mind. Um, so I've always really appreciated him. And then I've got a couple of friends that are in a, a mastermind of, of mine. Uh, I'll mention two of them, Andy and Paul. And those two guys have just really done so well in their space. One of them is in the flipping homes side of things. And they have like a TV show now and stuff like that. And I, I met him when he had none of that. And the other guy, he's in the education field and he's helped rewrite the way that Florida handles education. Uh, which is incredible to just see what these two guys have achieved. They've always pushed me just to do better and help me find that, that genius, if you will, within me. And uh, those are some people that have really helped me along the way and been mentors and just kind of guided me along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I love uh, the, your, your couple of buddies. I always refer to the people like that as like your, your running mates. Mm, yeah. uh, you may not be running the same race, but you're both running together moving forward. Um, and it's a type of fellowship that I like, I, I don't know 
personally, like how entrepreneurs could survive without those people, right? The ones who are, who are running their own race, doing their own thing, but just getting to watch and see them massage their excellence, so to speak, right. And become better versions of themselves is always, you know, inspiring and helps you move forward. Um, and, you know, I got a good friend like that, that, uh, you know, like literally everything I do, I always bring it to him and be like, Hey, what do you think of this? Just because I yeah. know after he's taken a look at it, it's going to be better. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think, I think those people are super important. Yeah. They've been really like, and they're honest. I've given them permission to be honest to me as well. Like, and I have some bad ideas. Like we're all, here's the thing. Entrepreneurs in general have far more bad ideas than good ideas. You just need someone to tell you, so you don't do anything with it. Right. Like, and it, I've definitely been, like, it's been true for dumb. me. <laughs> right. And they'll be like, Hey, Alex, like you might want to develop that idea a little bit more. And usually I'm like, yeah, this is a terrible idea. What am I doing here? You know, but like those people, they have that freedom in, in my life and I've had it in, in their lives as well. And it, it, I always kind of go back to this Helen Keller, Helen Keller quote, alone, we can do so little, but together we can do so much. And I've always thought that's just really beautiful. Like you're saying, even if we're not necessarily running the same race, we're still building each other up, encouraging each other. And we get more done when we're around those type of people. So we do our best to even during like the whole season of COVID to still meet together, to get together and to just have these conversations that builds us up and helps us carry our business and our craft forward. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your conversation on ideas reminded me of a, of a thing that, that always cracks me up um, is in ancient Greece, whenever they had big like political ideas and, you know, business ideas that they were going on. One of the, the habits that the Greek people were in back in the day was you had to, uh, you had to be able to talk through your idea and it had to make sense both when you were sober and when you were drunk. What? <laughs> and I was like, that always cracked me up because it's like, it's like you you have to take your ideas like, and they have to, they have to pass muster, um, yeah. you know, in, in both, in both areas in order for them to be worthy of like taking on to the next stage. Cause That's you cool. know, we have a lot of bad ideas and I was yeah. like, that was I don't, I don't know if that works or not, but you know, we all still talk about ancient Greece. So maybe, maybe it was a good thought. <laughs> now I'm picturing like with these guys next time I meet with them, like we'll all be sober and share ideas and then we'll all get wasted at some restaurant and share our ter- like our terrible ideas or whatever they might be. And then we'll get kicked out. I, I don't know if it still works, Richard. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea, but I figure, I figure if you're all, you know, you have a couple of drinks or I don't know, a happy brownie or something and you come up with great ideas. <laughs> if it's a great idea then, and then it's still a great idea when you're sober, then maybe you got something. Okay. <laughs> I like it. We're going to give it a shot. Maybe. <laughs> uh, awesome. So I want to, I, I want to talk about one last thing here, which is your guiding principles. Um, and you know, one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. Um, you know, for instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we wrap up the interview and I talk about top one, maybe two principles that you use regularly in your life, uh, maybe something you wish you knew when you first got started as an entrepreneur. Yeah. The, the first thing is to always operate from a place of integrity that's my number one core value in life is to, to have integrity in everything I do, which means don't take the shortcuts that you shouldn't take. Uh, just because you can do something a little bit quicker doesn't mean it's the right way to do things. So I make sure that everything I do comes from a place of, of absolute integrity above the bar. I believe the only thing that any of us own is the good name that we have. And as soon as you damage that, that's it. So I want to make sure that Alex Sanfilippo is known as somebody who operates at the highest caliber, the highest standard, a place of integrity, no duplicity in my life at all. And I've really kind of allowed that to, to just be everything. Um, and I'll mention the second one because it's really close with it. It's to, to be humble, to walk in a place of humility, to serve others with my time, with my life. It can't be about me. On my board behind me, I have something that's written that says, uh, seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. And yes, I make profit. And yes, I need profit. But ultimately, that's not what drives me. What drives me is from a place of humility to serve those around me. 
And those are really my two core values, me personally. And I carry those into business because I just found that they have, they've served me well and they've helped me really add value to the world around me. And ultimately as an entrepreneur, that's my, my job, right? Is to make the world a better place. And those are the things they've helped me do that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier, you were a Christian, so you'll probably appreciate this. One of the things that I've always uh, pointed people to is, uh, you know, Jesus talks, um, and I can't remember exactly where I think it's like Matthew 25. Um, but he's talking about, um, how the world works. Right. Um, and one of the things he says is give first and then you'll receive. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a, uh, um, a lot of people think it's a, it's an ad, it's an admonition like, Hey, this is what you should do. Um, and it's not an admonition. What it is, is like, Hey, I built the world and these are the rules that you play by. Right. right. So if you want to succeed playing this game, this is how it works. Right. And that's what I think most of the Sermon on the Mount is, is not an admonition of this is what you should do, but like, like, Hey, I built this game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to, if you want to play the game by the rules, that'll help you win. Like these are the ones you play by. Um, and so the whole learning to give first and to give value first is, um, it's not a, this is what you should do. It's like, Hey, this is the best option you have to build the biggest and most impactful business, um, that you, you can is right. Learn how to give first, like learn how to come to whatever you're doing from that place of service. hundred percent, man. I couldn't say that any better. <laughs> uh, and the other, the other thought I had on that was the, uh, the integrity thing you mentioned and. Um, so the, the purpose of this show for me has always been, um, this, we, we have this, uh, mismatch culture where for whatever reason, entrepreneurs are always held up as a villain. Um, and that's always really bothered me because really entrepreneurs are not villains. I mean, certainly right. there are in the realm of entrepreneurs, people who are, but, um, entrepreneurship is far more often it's people who are looking to give and to serve and to bring value. Um, and I tell people all the time is like, Hey, everything you touch in your life today was at some point handled by an entrepreneur, like mm -hmm. literally all of it. Cause if, if it exists, an entrepreneur made it. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so the, uh, the, one of the things that I think has just blown me away from doing this show as long as I've been doing it is how often the, I ask that question and the answer is integrity. Right. Like I could probably do a five minute montage of just different guests really? telling me their That's first cool. thing that comes to their mind is integrity. Right. Um, or some form of it, integrity, honesty, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it just, it always solidifies for me. Like it's, that's the way it is. Right. Entrepreneurs are, are heroes, right. They're unsung heroes. And so anyways, I just wanted to, to point that out. <laughs> yeah, no. And I appreciate you mentioning that. Cause I didn't realize that that'd be so high up on, on so many people's lists, but again, that's why you're doing the show. And I've, I've, I've heard you share that before that you're doing this to really uncover like the true heart behind an entrepreneur, right? Like what we really are. And we ultimately, we are servants of the world. Like, and everything that, that we use at one point was, was created to, to serve people. Like even Amazon, which now gets like a lot of hate from a lot of people. Like one of my brothers hates Amazon. He's like, I hate it. I'm like, do you use it? He's like, yeah, dude, it's super convenient. I'm like, they built that to help you. Like, I know you say you hate them. It's because they're huge, but it's because they did a really good job solving a problem. And they still do that, that customer obsession, right? That is what drives them. And I just think that it's great that what you're doing here. Like, I love this show because that reason it reminds me that like, I'm a hero. I'm not a villain, uh, even though we sometimes get a bad rap. And I just think it's a few of us out there that maybe there's always a bad apple or two, right? But what you're doing here is, is adding a lot of value. And it's, it's cool to hear that there's others on this show that are saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's super cool. And, you know, just... Uh, it's, it's one of those things that like you really understand and like, even with big businesses, like, you know, w with Amazon, Amazon's huge, mm -hmm. but like they have trigger words. Like if, you know, we've, I've got a, several clients that work on Amazon. I got one of my, my businesses that's on Amazon. And, um, if, 
if we go in there and say, hey, like we're having this problem um, and you need to fix it, then we don't get a response back. But if we say, hey, there's this problem and it's causing your customers to have this issue, can you help us fix it so your customers aren't having that issue anymore? We get responses really quick. I'm sure. Right? That's smart, man. Good job. <laughs> uh, right. And it comes back to that same thing of like, they understand who they're here to serve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're here to, the, you know, big businesses, small businesses, entrepreneurship at its core in a capitalist society, entrepreneurship is about serving others first. Yeah. So. Anyways. 100%, man. Like, no, I, I think that's, I love that, man, that you just brought that all, all back together. And I think it's really smart the way that you've learned how to contact Amazon. <laughs> it's all, all in the words you use, right? <laughs> it's all in the words, right? It comes back to learning. You know, that's, that's, that's pr- pretty much standing operating procedure for anyone is like, learn how to figure out what it is that they want. And that's like, mm-hmm. you mentioned your superhero, right? Your, your skill is learning how to see what the other person wants out of life, what the problem 100%. is and learning how to speak to that. Um, and, you know, that's, that's really you know, if, if you're listening to this, that's the secret of life is learning how to see, uh, see the other person's problems and then um, present whatever the solutions are in a way that, you know, they want, they want that, uh, that outcome. So yeah, man, you just gave up the secret to life on the hero show, Richard Matthews, everybody here he is. I want to give applause, but I know that comes out sounding terrible. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so that's basically a wrap on our interview, Alex. I do have one last thing I do on every show. Um, and you, you've listened a few times, you probably know. Um, it's called the Heroes Challenge. And I do this basically, it is a way for me to get access to stories I might not otherwise be able to find on my own through a service like Podmatch, because I'm looking for people who aren't out there, uh, you know, trying to tell their story. Um, so the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with us here on the Hero Show? Yeah, one person immediately comes to mind when you ask the question. His name is Jared Gray Beal, and he has just come up through a lot of opposition throughout his life uh, in his entrepreneurial journey. And he's very successful now and done extremely well. And I think that his mind is so much so much bigger than even what he's doing today. So I can't wait to see where he goes. But his journey is fascinating because a lot of us can relate to it. And the kind of the struggles along the way, when you hear them, it's like, oh, I could see myself in that. So Jared Graby will be the guy I'd recommend because I just think that it would be I would love to hear that episode. Let's put it that way. Awesome. We'll, we'll reach out afterwards and see if we can get him on the show with an introduction or something. Um, so thank you for that. And, you know, in comic books, there's always the uh, crowd at the end who are cheering on the acts of heroism and saying thank you for, uh, to, you know, to the hero for their work. So as we close our analogous to that, I want to find out where people can find you if they're interested in, uh, in working with you. Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, you know what, I need your help, Alex. Um, and more importantly, who are the right types of people to reach out and maybe be a good fit for your service? Yeah. So, you know, I, I mentioned being that, that solutions guy, right? Like I can find it, kind of find the problem and identify it and build something off of it. That's really what I'm good at. I'm a strategy guy through and through at the end of the day. Um, and everything I do is at creatingabrand.com. That's the name of my podcast. Also my website, you can even find Podmatch through there, but you can also just book 15 minute call with me. And I, I do that with a lot of people that are my listeners just to kind of go over things or when people hear me on a podcast like yours, Richard, they'll kind of book the time be like, Hey, I had a question on something you're talking about. Can we kind of go over it a little bit more? So I love to add that value to people and help them out. So it's all at creatingabrand.com. Uh, with that said, I mean, what you're doing here with the hero show is awesome. Like I encourage the listeners to hang here and hang with what Richard's doing. Cause this is like a super good podcast and you're a great interviewer. I can tell that you've been on both sides of the mic. It, it definitely shows with your uh, experience here, but uh, thanks again for having me, man. I really, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, and uh, do look forward to uh, having you on in the future. So uh, thank you very much for, again for coming on, Alex. Really appreciate your time as well. So any uh, um, final words of wisdom before I hit this uh, stop record button? 
Yeah, I'll give one more thing. Uh, and this is something that I'd really love to tell the other entrepreneurs is to remember that you have greatness and creativity within yourself. You have greatness and creativity within yourself. I think sometimes we hear stories from entrepreneurs that have like changed the world or, or done some amazing feat or did the impossible, right? And we look at ourselves and say, I don't, I don't have whatever that is, but it's just not true. You have greatness and creativity within yourself as created beings. We're all made to create. And we find that that hero within us, that genius within us, and we begin pouring that out into the world. We are doing a service for others. So I want to encourage you once again, that you've got this greatness, you have this creativity, and you can do something amazing that can change the world or at least somebody's life. And if it changes one life, I believe what we're doing is completely worth it. Yeah. And the, uh, the whole, the whole thing about being, um, I call it, I, I creativity, the ability to create is a spark of divinity, right? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned being a created being and it, you know, the, the story in Genesis is that we were created from dust and then God himself breathed life into us. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the spark of divinity that you're talking about there. And with that comes that ability to create, to be the kind of person who has, 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 greatness inside of you um and it's not something that's like like you may not have figured it out yet or discovered it but it's there it is yeah it is man you're, you're absolutely right and I, I think that that's the one thing i want listeners to really take away from this is that they, they've got something that only they can do and it's their job to do it right absolutely so again thank you so much for coming on today alex really appreciate your time yeah richard i appreciate it, man this was a blast thank you